Oh, praise God. Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to be back. Uh, been gone for a month and it was an amazing sabbatical. Great time with the Lord and just being with him and praying and uh, also just a sweet time with our family. I love my girls and we just had a blast and I hope you've had a great summer, an amazing summer and uh, just also being able to see the big picture and kind of think about what God's doing here at Rolling Hills and what God's doing through JMI, Justice and Mercy International and just thinking about the big picture of what God's doing among us. And I got to tell you, church, I'm more excited today about what God's doing here than ever before. I mean, it's just awesome. I mean, God is at work and God is alive and God is moving. And so I am just pumped to be back today. I just love you and just love your family and love what God's doing here. And so we are on an amazing journey together and I just feel so blessed. And so I hope you had an amazing time, amazing summer. This morning we're beginning a great new series. It's a series called Defining Moments. And uh, I hope and pray this is an awesome series for all of us as we dive into the Word of God. But as you think about it, you know, our life really is a, a series of defining moments. And you think about the ups and the downs, you think about the highs and the lows, the joys and the struggles, and, and we all have them. And we look back on our life, we look back on our story, and we can see these moments that kind of dot the landscape of God's story in our lives. And we're like, wow, we're humbled and we're blessed. But think about it for you. If you have a worship guide and you're taking notes today, maybe you want to write a few of these defining moments down in your own story, in your own journey. But maybe it was for you as a child. You know, you moved and uh, you didn't want to move. Or maybe your parents, you know, they got transferred or something happened. And, and you look back on your life and you think, wow, what if I would have stayed there? What if we would have grown up there versus where I am today? And you you kind of go, wow, that's a whole different trajectory of my life. There's a whole different story here. There's something bigger than I can see. Uh, maybe a defining moment for you was graduation. Either high school or college and everything in your life had been scripted up until that point. You always went to school. You know, it was this thing you did. And now you're like, uh, okay, <laughs> now what do I do? And where do I go? And what decision do I make? And you're at a crossroads. And you look at your life and you go, wow, if I would have done this, I would have been a whole different place. But here I am and I'm living in this place and I married this person or whatever. But you, you look at those defining moments. Maybe a defining moment for you was your first job. Or maybe a defining moment for you was a tough time in your life. Uh, maybe for you it was the, the death of a loved one. And maybe your father passed away your mother passed away and man that just defined you you still carry that today and you still hold on to that it was a defining time in your story in your life uh, maybe for you it was marriage you know and you got married you're like wow that changed everything didn't it I mean you're like oh my goodness or maybe for you it was having your first child or maybe for you it was finding the right church and just these defining moments they all shape us they all shape our story and we look and we see how God is working in our lives. Well, in our series, we're going to walk through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8 through 11. And we're going to see defining moments that happen in God's redemptive story for all people. We're going to see how the early church was just starting out and, and God was doing something bigger than they could see, bigger than they could imagine, just like God is doing in your life. And you know, the awesome part is this, is that you just being here today means this, that God's not finished with your story yet, that God is still writing. And I truly believe that the best is yet to be. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Uh, maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures online as well if you want to go to Version and track along in the scriptures with us today. Uh, also, we'll put some of the scripture up on the screen so you can see and kind of follow along with us. But Acts chapter 8. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, and then you get into the book of Acts. 
And the four gospels, you see the life of Jesus. It's all about Jesus, right? And Jesus conquers sin on the cross. He conquers death, the resurrection. And then before he ascends into heaven, he has told the disciples, hey guys, one greater than I will come. And you know, they're all going, one greater than you. I mean, what are you talking about? But the Acts unfolds with Jesus ascending into heaven. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. And so you've got this 120 group of believers and they're all gathered around and the Holy Spirit falls fresh. And you talk about radical transformation. I mean, God is alive. God is moving. God is using his church in an awesome way. Peter stands up at Pentecost and he preaches and 3,000 people come to know Christ. And the early church just explodes. And God's working and God's moving and lives are being changed. And it's all happening right there in the city of Jerusalem. You think about all the early Christians were Jewish. And so they were there. They had this great fellowship thing going on. They're breaking bread together. They're going to each other's house. I mean, it was a great community. But Jesus had told them in Matthew chapter 28, he said, guys, listen, I've got a bigger plan. And it's bigger than just you. It's for the entire world. I want the whole world to know about me. So he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Great commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And listen, I'm with you even to the end of the age. I I love that last phrase, I'm with you even to the end of the age. There's times in my life when things get harder, challenging, and I always remember that. I'm just like, God is with me. God is with me. God is with me to the end of the age. He promises not to leave me. He promises to always be there for me. Well, in Acts chapter 8 becomes a defining moment. Because in Acts chapter 8, it tells us this. Verse 1b, pick up there. It says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. You see, before this, it was like God always came through. <laughs> you know, somebody would get put in prison and an angel would come and open the gate, you know, and they would just walk out. I mean, it was just like everything was going great. Everything was going good. And then Acts chapter 8, whoa, persecution comes. Difficulties, challenges, hard times. This guy, Stephen, Stephen was an ordinary guy. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He was, a, he was an A6 guy. Acts chapter 6. He was a leader in the church. He was a volunteer. Probably had a family. Had a job. And, and he stood up for Christ. And they stoned him. And he died. There was a guy named Saul there. We're going to see Saul next week. And Saul was giving approval to all this. And Saul goes around. And he starts dragging out Christians and taking them to prison. Persecution broke out. You realize that today there's persecution against the church. I mean, you see it in the news. In Iraq. Egypt, different parts of the world where Christians are being persecuted for their faith. And the fact is this, is we all go through difficult times. We all go through challenging times. We live in a fallen world, right? God created the world and the world was perfect. And then we came along, man came along and sinned. And sinned into the world and it's a fallen world, but God is redeeming and God is restoring. But in this world, we will have trouble. Jesus said that, right? In this world, you will have trouble. But he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. That one day it'll all be made right. That one day God will step into this world and say, enough, enough pain, enough suffering. But for now, we will go through some hard times and that's a part of our story. And maybe for you, you're here today and you're facing a hard time. Maybe financially. Maybe in your marriage. Maybe with your children. Maybe at work. 
Maybe at work things are hard or difficult and you're afraid. You're scared. I got to have a job or not have a job. And, and you call out, God, where are you? And God says, I'm with you. I haven't given up on you, so you don't give up on me. I believe in you. And I'm going to bring you through this. And the other side of that defining time, I believe God will do a miracle. And God will do a great work. And you hang in there. And you stay strong. Because God is still at work. And look, even in the persecution, what happened? It says that they scattered. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But these other believers, they went. And they went to live with family, relatives, friends. And they went all over the known world. But when they went, what did they do? They shared Jesus. When they went, they took the gospel to all nations. They went and they shared the love of Christ. And God was saying, hey, it's a great thing that you're all comfortable here, but, but the gospel is bigger than just the Jews here, the Jewish Christians. The gospel is for all nations. And so I'm going to send you out because I've got a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. And sometimes I bet in your story and my story, and we look back in some of the hardest times of our lives, we can look on the other side and see how God redeemed and God restored. And God's still working in all of us. And God hasn't given up on us. And the best is yet to be. Look, it says this. That those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he preached the Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention. It says this, with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So Philip goes over to Samaria. And this is a defining moment in God's redemptive story because now the gospel is moving just from Jerusalem. It's moving to all people. And aren't we thankful that it came from just the Jews to all people, right? And so it moves from Jerusalem and it goes to Samaria. Now the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. I mean, hated each other. The the Jews called the Samaritans half-breeds because they were half Jewish, half Gentile. I mean, most good Jews, if you were up at the Sea of Galilee region, they would not even walk through Samaria. Even though it was the closest way to get to Jerusalem, they would literally walk around their entire country because they wouldn't want to step foot there. But Jesus didn't. (laughs) And Jesus would walk right through. John chapter 4, right? Jesus meets a woman at the well. He's coming through Samaria, and here's a woman. She's drawing water, and Jesus sits down, and he starts to talk to her. Now, I love that because back then, Men didn't really talk to women in public, number one. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans, number two. And Jesus, who was a rabbi, and this woman had a questionable past and made some bad decisions in her life. And Jesus engages her in conversation. And Jesus says, you know what? Your mistakes aren't going to disqualify you from the love of God and the grace of God. And I want you to hear that today. Maybe you're here today and you just look and you say, you know what? There's things that I've done in my past and God can't redeem it and God can't restore it. And you're wrong. God can and God will. And it's not an accident that you're here today. Because God loves you and God believes in you. And Jesus engages this woman in conversation there in Samaria. And this woman says, this is a met a man who told me everything about my life. And, and she just gets so much joy from being with Jesus. She runs back, she tells everybody. And now here we are, years later that Philip is there. And the city has been primed and they're ready. And people are coming to know Jesus. And there's a revival that's breaking out in this place. Because God's redemptive story is bigger than just us. It's for the whole world. It's for lives to be impacted and lives to be changed. Oh, praise be to God. Keep going down. Go down to verse 26 and it says this. It says, now, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, 
And this is not Philip the disciple. This is Philip who is an ordinary guy, right? This is an A6 guy, Acts chapter 6 guy, a guy who was a leader in the church, a volunteer leader. He wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a priest. He was just a, a volunteer who said, okay, God, use my life for your name, for your glory. And the angel spoke to Philip and said, go south on the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I've heard a lot about Gaza lately, haven't we? I mean, these are actual places. It says, so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. You see, the greatest defining moment for anyone's life is salvation. And salvation is being made right with God. And God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And God had a plan for this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, he was a eunuch because he was in charge of big things. Back then, uh, if you were a court appointed, you know, I mean, you were like somebody who was big in the government. And this guy was kind of the financial treasury officer for the queen of all of Africa. Uh, a lot of times they would make you a eunuch so you wouldn't get distracted, right? So you would focus on your job. Tough way to focus on your job. But anyway, I mean, this guy is like all in, right? And he is the financial guy. He's running the country. But he goes a thousand miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. Why? Because there was something missing in his heart and his life. I mean, he's successful. He's got money. He's got power. He's got an entourage. He's in a chariot. He's got all these followers. He's got people with him. But there was a hunger in his life. And you know, inside of every person, there's a hunger for God. Inside every person, there's a hunger for God. Every one of us. Why? Because God made you. God made you. And God knows how life works. And life works when he's at the center of our life. And and so many times we try to make it about money. If I just had more money, you know, if I just had more money, then all my problems would be solved. But really, is it ever enough money? I mean, is there ever enough? Oh, I got enough. I did it. All my problems are solved, you know. I mean, no. We make it about money. We make it about people. We make it about stuff. We make it about things. But this guy knew there had to be something more. And so he goes on a journey. From Ethiopia, a thousand miles to Jerusalem. And when he gets to the temple, we know this. One, he can't go into the temple because he's a Gentile. Two, he's been dismembered and disfigured. He can't go in according to the book of Deuteronomy. And so he's on his way home and he's reading the book of Isaiah. And he's like, I know there's something more. I know there's a God out there. I know. You see, that's that's some of your story, right? I meet people all, all the time. They'll come up to me and they'll say, yeah, Jeff, there's just something missing in my life. Now, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I've got a good job. I live in a great place. I have an awesome family. Uh, but there's just something missing. Why? Because salvation is that defining moment for every person. Salvation is that time when, when you understand the depth of God's love and his grace and his mercy. When your sins are forgiven, when you're redeemed, when you're restored. And there's a hunger in our life to be made right with God. There's a hunger in our life to have this relationship right. And when this relationship right, then it impacts everything else. It impacts all of our other relationships. And this guy said, I want to know more. I want to go on a journey. I want to meet God. But what he knew was this, is that God had a plan for him. And God sent Philip to him. And so Philip goes and he stands near the chariot. And then Philip ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Wow. And Philip shows up on this road. He doesn't know why he's there. This eunuch comes by, this big entourage. Of the, he hears him reading Isaiah. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. This messianic prophecy that was written 800 years before Jesus came. You realize in the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies concerning the first coming of the Messiah. 300 prophecies written hundreds of years before by different authors back in the Old Testament. And all 300 are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now the probability of that happening is astronomical. And the guy wants to know. And Philip crawls up and he just begins to say, hey, I can tell you about Jesus. You're reading this passage of scripture. It comes down to Jesus. Jesus was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Jesus could have called down a legion of angels from heaven and and, and just blown away all the Romans. But Jesus was led to the cross because he knew the price had to be paid. And Jesus loved people so much that he knew that we would die in our sins and our transgressions. We would be eternally separated from God. Jesus came and he lived 33 sinless years. And he died on the cross, willingly giving his life. So that we could be reconciled to a God of grace and a God of mercy. And he begins to explain this. And you can watch the power of the Holy Spirit just working in this guy's life. You see, salvation comes, I think, in two different ways. One, through a progressive revelation. Through a progressive revelation. And maybe you were blessed and you grew up in a Christian home. And you had godly parents. And so you, you don't really remember a day when you didn't know about Jesus. You know, you were going to church. I, I was blessed to, to grow up with great Christian parents. I, I love my parents. They're right back there. They're amazing. and They're awesome. And I love them so much. And they took me to church. I mean, I think after I was born, I was probably in church the next Sunday. You know, I was in the preschool, children, students. And there wasn't a time that I didn't know about Jesus. But I remember when I was eight years old, that we went and met with our pastor. And sat down and talked about making my, my faith public. Because I want to follow Jesus. I remember my baptism. I still remember it. It was so clear in my life. And for some of you, you, you that's your story. You know, you grew up with great parents. And they were amazing. They took you to church. Or, or you are those parents, right? And, and you're walking with your kids. And you're helping them pray. And you're helping them process about spiritual matters. Maybe you've gone to the baptism classes for children or for students or, or you've gone with the adult class and, and you've sat there. Right now, my daughter, Mabry, she's eight years old and we've been working through our baptism book that we had in our baptism information class here at church. And we walk alongside parents and families and helping kids come to that point to realize the, the grace that they've been given. Progressive revelation. But you know what? There's also another way. And it's this instantaneous, as God moves, as God speaks, as God transforms you. And in an instant, you know, man, that's what I was missing. And some of you, that's your story. And it was on a Sunday morning and you just go, yes, I've been looking all over and and I realize my life is empty. and, And now I hear about Jesus. I want Jesus. And there's people I can look out and see who who come on a Sunday morning or who've prayed in a small group, who've prayed at home and said, hey, here I am. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I was far from God. I didn't really, you know, have an opportunity here. Now I know and I want Jesus. 
Salvation may look different in our lives, but salvation is the most important defining moment for every one of us. That the God of the universe loves you. Not just everybody, but you. And you are important to him. I I love my wife. She's amazing and and beautiful. And I I just am so thankful for her. And she tells about when she was growing up. And she grew up in Keville, Kentucky, this small town in, in Kentucky. And there was this one Sunday where she was there at church and she knew. I mean, this, this was God was inviting her into this relationship and, and giving her life to God. And, and she stood there and she, she was waiting. And the invitation came. And back then, you know, it was at one of those churches where you walk down front, you know, you meet with the pastor and they present you to the church. And so she was standing there and she's praying. She's like, okay, I, I believe God's calling me. This is my time. And she's like, okay, God, if somebody else goes first, then I'll go, right? And then somebody came down the aisle. She was like, wow, that never happens here. You know, nobody, nobody ever comes down. Yeah, so she's like, all right, I'll pray again. God, if somebody else comes down, you know, then, then I'll go. If somebody else comes down. And somebody else came down. She's like, wow, okay. Uh, you know, and then she prayed again. And somebody else comes down. And, and somebody else, it was like revival at the small country church, you know. And, and people were responding. And, and she said that there was a lady in the choir who saw her. And, and, and Lisa's standing there. She's crying. She knows this is... God working in her life. And this lady comes down out of the choir and puts her arm around her. And she came down. And Lisa said, that was a defining moment for me. And I'm so thankful for that lady in the choir who just walked down and put her arm around her, you know. And Lisa said, you know, I came down. I gave my life to Christ. I said, you know, I'm following Jesus. And from that moment on, anytime God asks me to do something, I'm going to be the first. I'm going to be a first. I'm going to say yes. And she's been so amazing in her life. It's got called us to step out to plant church and I was always scared to death going oh I don't know how this is going to work and and Lisa's like come on let's go you know you said it let's do it let's be a person of faith God's calling us and I've just watched her life you see salvation is God drawing you to himself God is inviting you into this relationship with him because God loves you and God was drawing this man and God is drawing you and that is that defining moment for every one of us when we give our lives and we respond to the grace of Christ, this eunuch, man, he's there, he's hearing the gospel, he's talking about Jesus, and they go along, and it says, as he traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water, why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. He's going along, and he's like, yes to Jesus, I want to be baptized, let's do this, and there's a river right there. Man, I love that. I just love that. You know, this guy said, hey, I'm going to be obedient to God. God's becoming the priority of my life. I don't care what it looks like to my entourage. I don't care what my appearance is to everybody here in the chariot line and all the people who think I'm high and mighty. I'm getting down out of this chariot and I'm getting in the water. Because being obedient to God is more important than what everybody else thinks. See, salvation changes everything. Salvation changes everything in your life. The decisions you make. The way you live, what you view about yourself, what you think about yourself. It comes down to what God says about you and not what the world says about you. Salvation is that defining time. What happens so often is people want to compartmentalize their faith. You know, I I want a little bit of Jesus over here. I want a little bit of Jesus so he's a fire insurance policy. I don't have to go to hell. You know, I got a fire insurance policy in Jesus. But then I'm going to go and live however I want to live, right? Do whatever I want to do. But I got my little bit of Jesus over here. Jesus is going, ah, that's not really the deal. You know? I not only want to be the savior of life, I want to be the Lord of your life. 
Or some people say, well, you know, I got a little Jesus over here on Sundays. And then Monday through Friday, I got work. You know, at night, it's kind of family time. Saturday, that's my day. My day, you know. And then Sunday, I got a little bit of Jesus, you know. And then I'm going back. Jesus is going, whoa, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Salvation changes everything. I want to be the Lord of your, of your career. Because I've got great plans for you. Bigger than you could dream or even imagine. I want to be the Lord of your family. I want you to have a great marriage. I want your marriage to thrive. I want you to have great kids. I want to be the Lord of your family. I want to be the Lord of your relationships, of who you date. I want to be the Lord of every area of your life. I want to be the Lord of what you think about yourself. Instead of looking in the mirror and seeing yourself as compared to what other girls look like or what other women look like, I I want you to see yourself as the way I made you. I want you to look in the mirror and not just compare yourself to how other successful businessmen are or what they do or how much money they make or what kind of car they drive. I want you to look in the mirror and say, I am a child of the king. And there's a God who loves me. And there's a God who's redeemed me. And there's a God who is for me. And if God is for me, who could be against me? I want you to live life with confidence. I want you to live life with joy. I want you to live life with purpose because I love you. And salvation changes it all. And this eunuch said, I'm following Jesus. <laughs> I'll get down out of the chariot. I'll get in the water. Look, there's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Now, what does verse 37 say? You got verse 37 there? Oh, you don't have it, huh? You don't have it in some of your Bibles, right? Verse 37 is not in some of the earlier manuscripts. It's in some of the later manuscripts. If you have a King James Version, you probably have verse 37. But if... A lot of the earlier manuscripts don't have it, but I'll tell you what verse 37 says, if you have verse 37 there. It would say, Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, then you can be baptized. And the eunuch answered, I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe, I believe. Now in the earlier manuscripts, it was kind of implied. Yeah, that's what he's going to say. But in the later manuscripts, they're like, I want to be sure that you know this. And it comes down to Jesus. It's a relationship with God through Christ. That Christ becomes the Lord of your life. That you and I are following Jesus. That's salvation. C.S. Lewis said, If in a man's life, conversion makes no difference in his outward experiences and how he lives, then I believe, C.S. Lewis said, that conversion was largely imaginary. And if you look at your life and you say, What? Well, Jesus really hadn't made an impact there. Then I think it's time to go back and search and say, Wait, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Because Jesus will change everything. He'll bring joy. He'll bring peace. He'll bring purpose. He'll bring hope. He'll bring love. He'll bring grace. Because he loves you. Keep going. Number four is this. Is that God wants to use you. God wants to use you as a part of his salvation story. And he says, why should not I be baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Went on his way celebrating what God had done in his life. Now, how awesome for Philip. See, here's the thing. God doesn't need us, right? God is sovereign. God is the Lord of all. But God allows us to be a part of his redemptive story. God allows us to be involved in what he's doing. And so God said, Philip, hey, I want you to just be a part of something that's bigger than you. Crawl up in this chariot. Just share about me. And then Philip got to go down to the water. And he got to be there with this guy, this big powerful official. And he baptized him. Dined your old wife. You're going under the water. You're being raised to walk in a new life. Can you imagine how excited Philip must have been? 
Just a couple years ago, I stood in this baptistry right out here with my daughter, Grace. And I got to tell you, it was incredible. As a parent, I mean, to have that privilege to, to be with her at baptism. And some of you as parents, you, you've stood there, you, you've been in the water, you've been on the side, you've been at the glass, and you, you just, man, it's in your mind of watching your child giving their lives to Christ. You know, we've had people baptize their sisters or their brothers. We've had people baptize people in their small group or people that they teach on Sunday mornings and children or student ministry. And it, it's amazing that you're just going, God, thank you. That I get to be a part of your story. If you're a parent here or a grandparent here or an aunt or an uncle, listen, your priority is to disciple your kids. And the church wants to come alongside of you and help you. But it's your priority. School started back on Friday. I don't know if y'all know that or maybe it hasn't started back for you yet or maybe it's getting ready to start or you're homeschooling. But if you're a you know, student, you know that it started back, uh, hopefully, or you'll be truant. But, you know, hey, you're, you're going back. But you know what happens then is our mind shifts, Right? And now we're thinking about homework, and we're thinking about, you know, football season starting up, college football starting, NFL starting, where kind of our mind goes there, and God's going, whoa, 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 I want to be the priority. Those things are fine, and those things are good, but, but you know, if your child comes out, and they know, you know, calculus really well, but man, they don't know me, the, the, calculus isn't going to help them all the way through eternity. You know, there needs to be a deeper spiritual growth and foundation in their life. And you and I have that privilege you and I have that opportunity. And God puts us in people's lives for a season. God put Philip in this guy's life for a season, right? He was there, and then God took him away. Why? Because it wasn't about Philip, it was about Jesus. And Jesus was going to be with this guy for the whole time, the whole long term. And God puts people in our lives. And maybe in your life you better work, and you're at a job, and you look around and you go, man, people are hurting, people are lonely. God, how can you use me here? I might just be here for a season. I mean, I may just be in this office for a couple of years and then you're moving me on. God, you've got me in a neighborhood or maybe, God, I'm living in this apartment complex, but, but God, I'm here for a season. God, how can you use me? I want to be a part of your story. As a parent, we have a short amount of time with our kids. It flies by. I'm watching my kids just grow up and I'm like, God, I just want to pour into them. I want to pour into them. God, find me faithful to take advantage of every moment of teaching them and giving them a foundation. Philip, man, he made the most of it, didn't he? He made the most of the opportunity to, to be a part of God's redemptive story. And we still know his name. And you know what? This Ethiopian eunuch, according to the early church father, St. Irenaeus, this Ethiopian eunuch is the one who took the gospel to the entire continent of Africa. How many people believe in Jesus even today because of the faith of that man who went back rejoicing and sharing Christ with others? God's writing a story and you have a part to play and I have a part to play and oh, that God would find us faithful. This summer, uh, we did a lot of missions here at church. We, we love being a part of missions and I had the opportunity to go back to Moldova uh, on one of our mission teams. Uh, this is my 11th summer. We started as a church you know, 11 years ago and every summer we have gone to Moldova, this, you know, the poorest, smallest country in the former Soviet Union and it's a country of four million, but we go and we work there in orphanages and through JMI, Justice and Mercy International, is nonprofit we started six years ago. We're just seeing God change lives and transform lives. And so we were in this village called Carpignan. And, and we were in this, this village and, and people were coming from all over. And we were working at a, this church there and kids were coming and we were doing, you know, we were doing songs and crafts and games. And, and kids were walking 
I mean, like 45 minutes to an hour to get there. We know because we walked them home one day and we're like, wow. But it was so many and every day it was growing. There was more and more and more and more people that were coming and coming and coming. And, and we were sharing Christ and love. And we just fell in love with these precious kids. I mean, elementary, middle school, high school kids. And seeing God work in their life. Well, there was a village about 15 or 20 miles away. And this village, the first Christian church was just planted there just a few years ago. They had never had the gospel there. And then somebody planted a church there. And there was a deacon, a leader in the church that heard that our team was over in Carpignan. And so he sent a message and said, hey, could we come over there? And we said, well, you know, we're kind of busy. We've got this thing laid out, this plan. And, he's, and he sent this message, please just come. I want my village. I want the kids in my village. I want the people in my village to hear about Jesus. And so one day, it was like 5 o'clock, we were like, okay, we need to go. We need to go to this village. We sent a message. We're going to come. We'll be there till dark. We've got a couple of hours. And so we loaded up the vans after being with the, our kids there at Carpignan, and we, we got in the vans, and we drove. Now, we're in the, the country of Moldova. I mean, right? We're in the backwoods. I mean, there's like horse and buggies. I mean, you know, we were pulling up. I mean, there's ducks crossing the road. We had to stop for that. Then we had to stop for cows crossing the road. I mean, it was, we're getting back there. We go up this dirt road. We come out on this top level, and there was a field with two wooden soccer goals, like makeshift soccer goals. And we pulled up on the top level. There was all these kids and these people waiting. And our vans pulled up there and, and we kind of get out of the vans and all these people start coming toward us. We're like, whoa, wow, what's, what's happening here, you know? And, and so we were trying to figure out in our mind and, and Steve Davis, our missions pastor, he came up with this idea. He's like, all right, you know, let's just get into groups. And it was kind of like speed dating, you know? You had all these, these kids and these adults and a couple of Americans there and we would ask a question and then we would rotate. So we would ask a question like, if you could be, you know, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? You know, would you want to fly? Would you want to be invisible? Would you want to have super strength? And so we'd all laugh about that. Well, the questions got progressively harder. And so the last group, I'm in this group and, and there's this 12 year old boy, about seventh grade boy sitting next to me. And there's all these kids over here. And, and the question was this, if you could change one thing about your life, what would you change? If you could change one thing about your life, what would you change? And this kid sitting right here, immediately, in front of everybody, he says this, I would change my name. I looked over at our translator and I said, you know, hey, Alex, what, what did he say? He said, I would change my name. And I said, ask him why. Why would he change his name? He said, my name is Vasily. And he said, when I was young, he said, my dad walked out on me and my mom and I've never heard from him since. And I'm named after my dad and I don't want to be named after my dad anymore. Man, my heart broke. I'm just sitting right here looking at this kid and he's got a tear on his eye. His head's down. He's saying this in front of all these people. Well, then they kind of blew the whistle and everybody kind of gets up to move and we had crafts going and games and we were singing some songs. And then we shared the gospel and we just started talking about Jesus and hope and grace and redemption. And, and all these people are gathered around and they're listening and they're hearing this. And so we said at the end, I said, I'm going to pray for us. And after we pray, then we've got Bibles for you. If you want a Bible, you know, or our church and people, we've taken up donations. We're, we've got a Bible for everybody here, or we've got a lollipop over here, okay? You know, so you have a Bible, get a Bible, and then you can come get a lollipop, you know, over here. And so we, we had these two lines. Well, I said, amen. And all the kids, instead of going to the lollipop, man, everybody just rushed over to get a Bible. And they, they picked up a Bible, and they were holding that Bible, and they were just holding on to it. It was like... I've never had a Bible. I want to know what the Bible says. It was just this powerful moment and we were all just standing there like, wow, God is here. God is present. Well, we headed back to the van and we started to get on the vans to, to drive off. And 
It was just the power of the Holy Spirit. And God said, go find that kid. So I got off the van and I went back and I found this kid, Vasily. And I, and I came to him and I just put my hands on his shoulders. He's looking at the ground. And I said, hey, look at me. And through our translator, he looked up and he just looked in my eyes. And I said, listen, listen, listen. God has a plan for your life. And God brought us all the way from America to tell you this, that God loves you. And through Jesus, you will have a different life. And God will never give up on you. And I want you, Vasily, to know that. God will redeem your life through Christ. And I pray for you, Vasily. I pray that you will live your life in a way that will bring glory to God. And that one day people will want to be named Vasily because of you. They will want to have that name because you've lived your life for him. And I just put my arms around this kid, just prayed over him. Prayed over him. And he just buried his head in my chest, you know, and I just held on to him. And we got off the van. I drove off. I don't know what's going to happen to this kid. I pray for him daily almost. I don't know. I pray that he'll take the gospel to the entire village. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. But I know this, that you and I, you and I have the calling of God on our lives. And that is to speak truth and to speak love and to speak grace and to speak hope into people around us. And that God wants to use you as a part of his redemptive story. And wherever you are in life, you don't just say, you know what, God, I'm scared. I can't say anything. I don't want to. No, 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 no. Listen, the cost of missing out on God's plan and God's purpose is greater than the cost of messing up. And here's the freedom today. You can't mess up. God is sovereign. God is Lord. All you do is be faithful with your life. All you do is live your life for God's name and for God's glory. All you do is just say, God, here I am. And I want to be the best spouse I can possibly be. I want to be the best parent I can possibly be. I want to be the best aunt or uncle I can possibly be. God, I want to be faithful in my workplace. I want to be faithful wherever you've put me. I want to live my life for Christ. I want Jesus to receive the glory. God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. Well, maybe you're here today and listen, you, you've never responded to Christ. I mean, listen, it, it's not an accident that you're here today. I mean, somebody invited you or you've been coming for a little while, but, but that hole in your heart, it can only be filled by God. And today, the defining moment is this, as you yield your life to Christ. Or maybe today, listen, maybe today, man, there's some difficulties in your life. And God's just saying, you hold on to me. You stay faithful to me. I'm gonna bring you through this. Well, maybe today... Maybe today your mind's been racing with homework and football and everything else. And God today is just going, whoa, 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 whoa. I got a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. All that stuff's going to happen. But I want to use you for my glory. Trust me. Hold on to me. Make me the Lord of your life. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Right where you are today. Has there ever been a time that you've responded to Christ? Has there ever been a time that you've prayed and said, God, forgive me my sins. Take my past, redeem it, restore it. God, I'm yours. I receive Christ. That's a defining moment for you. Maybe for you today, you know, you can just say, honestly, I've been trying to fill my life with money, with success. I've been thinking that that's the answer for everything. And today, I just want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want him to be the joy of my heart. Maybe for you today, you just want to pray that Christ would be exalted in your family or with your roommates or your friends. Or maybe today you just say, Christ, I'm yours. Use me for your glory.
God, I'm yours. I want to be a part of your story. Father, all across this room, there are prayers going up to you. And Father, it doesn't confuse you in the slightest. You are sovereign over all. And by your grace, God, you have called us, you have redeemed us, you have restored us. And it changes everything in us. God, I thank you for hope and for peace and for joy and for purpose that comes in salvation. I thank you, God, that you never give up on us, that you pursue us. And today I pray, Father, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, that God, this will be a defining moment. I pray, Father, for those who who maybe are wrestling with obedience and here's water, why not be baptized? Why not make it public? Why not live my life for Christ? For those, God, that you're speaking to about just sharing the love of Christ, maybe praying with a spouse or praying with friends or praying with family, but that you become the priority for us. God, thank you for today. But thank you most of all for Jesus who's changed us not only for today, but for eternity. The defining moment of Christ in us. The joy and the hope that comes with Jesus. We love you, Father. And we give our lives to you.